Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Praise God. First Kings chapter number 20. And I'm going to begin reading with verse 35. And a certain man of the sons of the prophets said unto his neighbor in the word of the Lord, Smite me, I pray thee. And the man refused to smite him. And then said he unto him, Because thou hast not obeyed the voice of the Lord, behold, as soon as thou art departed from me, a lion shall slay thee. As soon as he was departed from him, a lion found him and slew him. Then he found another man and said, Smite me, I pray thee. And the man smote him so that in smiting he wounded him. So the prophet departed and waited for the king by the way and disguised himself with ashes upon his face. And as the king passed by, He cried unto the king and said, Thy servant went out into the midst of the battle, and behold, a man turned aside and brought a man unto me and said, Keep this man. If by any means he be missing, then shall thy life be for his life, or else thou shalt pay a talent of silver." And as thy servant was busy here and there, he was gone. And the king of Israel said unto him, So shall thy judgment be, thyself hast decided it. And he hastened and took the ashes away from his face. And the king of Israel discerned him that he was of the prophets. And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Because thou hast let go out of thy hand a man whom I have appointed to utter destruction. Therefore, thy life shall go for his life and thy people for his people. And the king of Israel went to his house heavy and displeased and came to Samaria. Verse 39 says, And as the king passed by, he cried unto the king, this is the prophet, and said, Thy servant went out into the midst of the battle, and behold, a man turned aside and brought a man unto me and said, and I want you to pay attention to this, keep this man, keep this man. If by any means he be missing, then shall thy life be for his life, or else thou shalt pay a talent of silver. Keep this man. That's what I want to speak about here tonight. Very simply, keep this man. Can you say that with me? Keep this man. Let's lift up our hands and our voices again to the Lord and let's pray for the Lord's help, his strength, his blessing upon the remainder of our service this evening. Jesus, we have need of you. We desire God for your touch and your help and your guidance in this service tonight. Bless the word of the Lord to the hearts of people. I pray that you would strengthen us through the word of God. We thank you for this time that we have to share together in your presence. And I pray, God, it could be meaningful and your perfect will could be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And would you clap your hands again to the Lord? Thank you so much. And you may be seated. Keep this man. Now, this is a very peculiar text of Scripture, passage from the Word of God. And I don't know that I've ever... Uh, spoke from this particular scripture or this really bizarre story in the Word of God. It starts by telling us about one of the sons of the prophets who had a message to deliver to King Ahab. And uh, there's a very interesting fact that is given here, and it's really a side note. It's not my message for tonight. But the young prophet asked one of his contemporaries, we assume, to smite him. He asked a person that was in his company to smite him. And the man refused. And then 
He gives him the very bad news or prophecy that because you didn't do what I asked you to do, that as you go on your way, before you get where you're going, there's going to be a lion that is going to slay you. And then he turns to another man, and I can only assume that that man had heard the prophecy that had been given to the previous person, and he asked him to smite him. And when he did ask him, the man, without any reluctance at all, did so. And I suppose if I'd heard the prophecy that he'd give to the man that disobeyed and did not smite him, I guess I would have went ahead and smote him also. And I guess you would have too if you knew that a lion was going to eat you if you didn't do it. But that seems unusual to me, but I believe it's reminiscent of something that we need to be reminded of in the Scripture from time to time, and that is if we're going to be a messenger for the Lord, if we're going to be used of God, and I guess this is pointed more towards people that are called into the ministry, if you're going to carry the Lord's message There's going to be a wound. There's going to be brokenness. There's going to be some things that you're going to have to endure. Rarely does God ever bless somebody that is not broken beforehand. And to carry the message of God, many times you're a wounded messenger if you're an effective messenger. You've had to endure some things. You've had to put in practice some things that you will preach. You had to live by faith. You have the testimony that God is a healer. If you're going to preach about healing, you need to have that testimony that God's a healer. And if you're going to preach about God is able to restore brokenness and God is able to put people's lives together and God is able to bring peace into situations, then you're going to have to have gone through some storms. I'm reminded of Ezekiel before he was able to prophesy to the valley of dry bones. The Bible says that the Lord lifted him up in the spirit and set him down in that place. A lot of times before we're able to speak, before we're able to be used and anointed of God, God sets us in a surrounding. He sets us in a place where we'll be able to identify with those that we're going to minister to and that we're going to endeavor to help. And that's just really a side note here. The man smote him. He disguised himself, but his his real point of having a message was to deliver it to the king, King Ahab. And we know that the reason why the Lord had laid this message upon his heart is if you read the previous verses of Scripture, the Syrians who were a vowed enemy to the people of God and their king, Abinadab. Abinadab was a man that was a very vicious man, but Ahab, instead of of taking him on instead of destroying him when he had the chance. He instead of made sort of a league with him and let him by. And so God was angry. God was, was wroth with Ahab because instead of destroying enemies that God was giving him the ability to destroy, he was rather making allies with them and leagues with them which in turn would be a detriment to God's people. And right there, we could also preach for a little while about how that God many times gives us opportunities to destroy things in our lives, to get victory over things in our lives, gives us a window of opportunity to take care of things and to triumph in certain areas. God gives us Uh, many times in church services and maybe even revivals or a series of services comes by and a visitation from God. And uh, he gives us an opportunity to defeat things in our lives that we need to get victory over. He gives us opportunity to overcome things and we need to take advantage of when the Spirit is moving, when the Holy Ghost is working. And we need to step up to that opportunity and not let it slip through our fingers. Because we don't always, we're not always guaranteed another opportunity for God to move in that way. A lot of times people are guilty of saying, well, you know, I can, I can always wait until a later time to deal with this or, or to pray about this or to really yield myself to it. 
and uh, I, I'm just going to put it off and kick the can down the road, so to speak. But I'm just going to preach to you tonight that you cannot always do that with spiritual things. But God has appointed times that He wants us to deal with certain aspects of our lives, that He asks us to step up, that He asks us to take care of things, that He gives us an opportunity to get victory. And when that happens, we need to take that godly advantage that we have, take advantage of the Spirit moving in that way, get the victory that God has made available to us. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Get that thing under control. Or whatever the situation is, allow God to work in our lives when he is visiting us in that way. Amen. How many believes that there are certain God moments that you cannot recapture, that you cannot go back, you can't push rewind, you can't hit a reset button and go back necessarily to it. I realize that God is merciful. I realize that God is gracious. I realize that God deals with people far beyond uh, a lot of times what we're even able to, to fathom and to, 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 to conceive in our feeble minds of Him being able to do because He's such a good God. But I do believe that there's windows of opportunity and I believe I can support this in the Scripture that if we don't take advantage of that at that time, we may never have that opportunity again. I don't understand how it works, but I've seen people, and you have too, witness only one opportunity to come to God. They only got one call. I realize there's people that seems like they get multiple opportunities and multiple chances, and God reaches for them, and God stirs their heart, and God convicts them, and God compels them, and God deals with them. It seems like all different angles He deals with them, and He provides all kinds of different ser uh, services and the format of the service and the preacher and all different kinds of ways that He's trying to, to, to cast out the gospel net and try to reach that person. And I'm so thankful for those merciful moments that God moves in a person's life and deals with an individual in that way. You ought to thank God that God doesn't give up on us so easily. Hallelujah. People that give up on you and, and uh, you, sometimes people even give up on themselves in some ways. But God keeps in his mercy reaching for people. And you ought to be thankful if you've had multiple chances because I have seen people as a preacher only receive one chance. And I could tell stories the rest of the evening of how that I preached people's last message and last opportunity that they had to find God. And maybe that was the first time that they'd ever even stumbled in to an apostolic church. But God gave them an appointed moment that he was dealing with them. God and his mercy. So we need to take advantage of that. And that's what the message was to Ahab is that you had an opportunity here to deal with the king of Syria. You had an opportunity to destroy him. And the way that he told this to him is he used an allegory or used a story. And he begins to give him an example. And the example was this. He said, there was placed in my care a man. And I was charged to keep that man and to not let him go, to watch over him. He was my responsibility, in other words. And I got busy here and there. And there was a battle that was clamoring, that was going on. And during the midst of the battle, inadvertently, I must admit, that while I was busying myself with all of the other things that I got caught up with, that I carelessly let the man slip away. And in my carelessness, he escaped. Now, again, I was charged to keep this man. It was my responsibility to care for him. It was my duty to care for him. But I allowed him to get away from me. And I want to spiritually apply this here tonight, this particular passage. We've experienced over the last little while, last month or two, or maybe a little longer, we've experienced such a move, and I am thankful for the moving of the Spirit of God.
a, a spirit of revival, a touch of anointing. And, uh, you know, when God makes his anointing and his presence available and manifested in such a way as he has around here over the last little while, I, I feel it's a special visitation. And I'm so thankful for it. I don't ever want to get to the place that I take such times when God visits us and God moves upon us for granted. I don't ever want to feel like it's just owed to us or ever in this church to feel like, you know, that's just the way it is. I'm so thankful that it seems like God uh, smiles upon us often around here. Seems like uh, that we see great moves of God regularly and there's been a, and a great touch of anointing regularly and God moves in special ways and we're able to experience that. But if we're not careful, we'll just take that in stride and feel like that it's something that we can just take for granted. Or we can just begin to feel like, well, it's always going to be around or it's always going to happen this way. And not realize that God is dealing with us and moving in a very special way in our midst. And I am so thankful for every person that has felt the call of God to, to come up just a little bit higher in their walk with God. Be a, become a little bit more consecrated, become a little bit more uh, prayerful, become more committed, uh, dedicating themselves to the things of God, maybe in perhaps a stronger way than you have in recent months or maybe even years. You're, you're feeling the tug of God to draw near to Him. I'm so thankful that the Bible tells us that when we draw nigh unto Him, that He draws nigh unto us. Amen. You'll never make strides towards God that He doesn't make strides towards you. You'll never advance towards God that He doesn't advance towards you. That's how it works. So that if you want to initiate something with God, all you got to do is start walking towards Him spiritually. All you got to do is start pushing towards the things of God. And God will move and He'll deal with you. He'll help you. He'll strengthen you. He'll bless you. Amen. You'll begin to see Him work in your life. That's what activates God. A lot of people say back and say, step back and say, well, I'm going to wait for God to move. I'm going to wait for God to have His way. I'm going to wait on the timing of God when really God is waiting on us to make uh, strides towards Him, to initiate it ourselves. As it were, activate His power. Activate through our faith and through our hunger and through our desire the promises of God that He already has laid in store for us. How many believes that there's many more promises that God has laid in store for us as a church family that He wants to fulfill? Much more revival. Many more souls that He wants to add to the church. Many more victories that He wants to give us as God's people. Many more things that He wants to do in our midst. And I want him to do it. And the Spirit has been working in a marvelous way. The Holy Ghost has been moving. Uh, simply put, people have been changed. And, and I'm thankful for the changes that God can bring into people's lives. I, I'm so thankful that God is a God that has the ability to totally revolutionize an individual. I'm thankful that what we're preaching here tonight does not bring just a temporary change, doesn't just bring, a, a, you know, a passing, a passing change to an individual's life, but it has the power to change you forever. There's people that are is, is in this room right now that previous to getting the power of the Holy Ghost, receiving the power of the Holy Ghost, previous to you coming into the truth, previous to you being baptized in Jesus' name, previous to you coming to an altar and repenting of your sins, you were bound by addictions. You were bound by lifestyles that are ungodly and in some cases downright evil and wicked. But you're here tonight because God has the ability to change people. Hallelujah. I said he has the ability to change you completely. Bring you out of sin. Amen. He has the ability to, to mark your life in such a way with a, such an indelible impression that you can't get away from it. You know, even when people 
go back to the world and go back to sin and go back to ungodliness, if they've ever experienced this, it doesn't matter how deep they go in sin, it seems like they're never satisfied. They're kind of like David who dressed himself up as a Philistine and went out to battle with them. And the men of Philistine said, no, we're not going out to battle with him because he was the one just a few days ago they were singing songs about how that Saul had killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And and I know he's dressed up like a Philistine, but he's not really a Philistine. He's got Israeli blood in his veins. He's a Hebrew. He's a child of God no matter how much he tries to look like a child of the world. And that's just the way it is. It doesn't matter how much you try to camouflage it and dress it up. If you've ever been a child of God, if you've ever bore the mark of the king, if you've ever had this, it seems like you can't get away from it. No matter how far you run, no matter what you involve yourself in, no matter how deep you go, it seems like grace keeps calling your name. It seems like the mercy of God keeps hounding your trail. It seems like the power of God, amen, can never be substituted by anyone. Anything that is out there. Amen. Sin never substitutes for the power of the Spirit. Sin never substitutes for the presence of the Lord. Seems like people try to put things in that place. Try to cram things in in that place. You ever, uh, I remember years ago they had those uh, they called them, I think, discovery zones or something like that. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe they're too much of a lawsuit waiting to happen to have them today. But when my children were real small, they had those things where you could take your children. There was all kinds of areas for them to play in. And one particular area, they had a place. I guess they were trying to keep uh, teach them shapes, and they would have octagons and circles and triangles and squares and rectangles and all of those kind of things and they'd have a deal where you could push them through uh, like a wall you could take that object if it was the right object the right shape it would of course go through that shape that was designed for it to fit in on the wall and I would watch children as they would go up I mean you know you're sitting in there for hours waiting on your children to burn off a little energy so that you can go on about your day and I'd watch children as they would, they didn't, maybe they were young, didn't know their shapes real well, and they would take an octagon and try to put it where a circle belonged and try to push it through, and it just wouldn't fit. Maybe it seemed like to them that it ought to fit, or maybe they would take a rectangle and try to put it where a square was to belong, and they couldn't figure it out why it wouldn't go through. You know, that's exactly the frustration that I feel comes upon people that are trying to put the things of the world in the place of God. They're frustrated. They're trying to force something that doesn't belong. How many has ever had one of those thousand-piece puzzles laid out on your table? And you're looking through all that stuff, and it all looks the same color and all looks, I mean, you got all this, and man, this one here, yeah, 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 this is, this is going to work. And you get it over there, and, and it just almost seems like it's going to fit. And uh, you might get a little frustrated with it, and you're getting down to feeling the pressure of finding a, a, another piece to go for the puzzle, and you try to cram it down in there, and it just don't work out just right because it's not meant to go there. Where there's certain things that you try to plug in in the place of God, it just doesn't belong there. No matter how much you try to force it, no matter how much you try to wedge it in there, no matter how much you try to make it work, it isn't going to work. I said it isn't going to work. You young people, listen to me tonight. It isn't going to work. You can't substitute the things of God with alcohol, with drugs, with immorality. There's no worldly boy or girl that's going to take that place. There's none of that that is going to satisfy like the Spirit of God is going to satisfy. Oh, praise the Lord. And he has the ability, and he's been doing it around here, changing people's lives. But you know, with the change comes a challenge. And that is to maintain that change. To keep that change. Because it's easy to become stirred. It's easy to become moved upon. In other words, our charge, like this man, our charge from the king is to keep this man. The man that God has helped us to become 
the man that is now dug out a prayer life. The man that is now, and I'm not talking gender specific here tonight. This applies to everybody. I'm not just talking to the men. In other words, I'm talking to brothers and sisters here tonight. Talking about the spiritual man that we have arrived at, that we, we've seen over the last few weeks God has helped us uh, to gain this, this place in him and this relationship with him. And uh, that man of prayer, that man uh, of worship, that man of praise, that, that man of faith. You know, faith is, is something that is so precious and it's so easily it's so easily stripped and stole from people that the Bible says that even Paul said, I have fought the good fight of faith. Amen. And several instances in the Word of God where you see people fighting for their faith. Faith, it's not like it's a fragile thing necessarily, but it's something that the enemy wants to take away from you. He wants to steal it from you. He wants to destroy your faith in God. Why? Because he knows without faith it is impossible to please God. That the basis of everything begins with your faith, your faith in God, your faith in your salvation. And he'll attack it on every corner. The first thing he does to people that receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, as soon as they walk off the premises, what does he tell them? You didn't get the Holy Ghost tonight. Uh, no, 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 no. You, they, they just told you, or you just thought you got the Holy Ghost, or, or maybe you did not get the Holy Ghost. He begins to put question in their mind. He begins to cause them to doubt their experience. And that's what he, he tries to attack their faith. And it's the same with a child of God that's been living for God for years. Here's what happens to a child of God that's been living for the Lord for years is we've got faith in God's ability and what God is able to do. We have no question that God is able to heal. We have no question that God is powerful enough to work. We have no question that he's able to bring revival and bless people. We just don't feel like he can do it for us. We have had enough disappointments. We've had enough setbacks. We've had enough ups and downs in our lives to skew us a little bit and to cause us to doubt God and His ability to do it for us. And maybe we don't blame God. We blame ourselves that I'm just not, I'm just not, uh, I'm not qualified. I, I'm just not somebody that He can bless in that way because of my inconsistencies and because of my many blind spots and because of some problems that I've had along the way on my journey. God can't do it for me. I believe He can do it for Miss Perfect over there. And I believe He can do it for Brother Perfect over there. But He can't do it for me. But what you don't understand is that God is able to restore you to a place. And God is able to work in your life in a way that if you will honor him by placing your faith in him, it doesn't matter necessarily what your past has been and your mistakes has been and your inconsistencies in days gone by. If you've overcome that through the blood of Jesus, you can stand in faith and say, I'm one of his children just like anybody else is somebody said I'm not worthy well I'm going to tell you nobody's really worthy I said nobody's really worthy we're only made worthy by the blood of Jesus Christ to say that we're worthy is to put faith in our own works to say that we're worthy is to discount the blood of Jesus Amen. But we put faith in his ability to cleanse us and wash us from all sin. Come on, is that what the Bible said? Did it say that he's able to cleanse us from all sin? His blood that is able to cleanse you from all sin. Is that what the book says? Uh, amen. Come on. I know some of you think, well, you don't know the sin that I've been involved. You don't know the things that I have done. I, my Bible said all sin. If this blood's powerful enough to cleanse some sin, it's powerful enough to cleanse all sin. Come on, somebody lift up the name of Jesus and praise him. Magnify him with me. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Praise God. Praise God. The king, the charge was keep this man. The spiritual gains, the dominion taken, the blessings received, the victories won. There's an extreme danger of letting ourselves slip back. Hebrews 2 and 1 says it this way, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. I mean, when you least expect it, at any time, he said, give the most earnest heed. That means you better keep it in focus. You better be attentive to it. Better give heed to it, lest at any time you let it slip away. You let it get away from you. I got busy here and there, and I looked up, and he was gone, and I was told to keep this man. I was told that this was my responsibility. I had to keep this. I want to preach to somebody in the Holy Ghost tonight the victories and the spiritual gains that you've made. God has given you a charge tonight in the Holy Ghost. You've got to keep this man. You've got to keep that victory. You've got to keep that triumph. You've got to keep that consistency. You've got to keep that commitment. You've got to keep, amen, those things that you have gained in the Lord. You've got to keep it. You've got to keep it. That's your that's your responsibility. That's the charge. He said, let us hold fast. Later in the book of Hebrews 10 and 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful who has promised. Amen. Now, what that is actually talking about there is the fact that there's some things that we have gained and there's some things that we received and there's some things that God has done for us. But we haven't seen everything and every promise fulfilled yet. So, if we're not careful, the writer is saying, if we don't hold fast the profession of our faith, if we allow our faith to wane, we allow our faith to die out, we don't keep it alive, we don't keep it resuscitated, then we're never going to see all that God wants to do. And that's why a lot of people, they live in that vicious cycle of never really reaching their full potentials because they lose sight of it somewhere and they fail to hold fast. And so they slip back to square one all over again. And they lose that progress that was made. We need to hold the ground we got is what the writer is saying. God's given you some gains and God has given you some, given you some victory. You hold what you got and look for more. You keep what you have and keep progressing forward. Hallelujah. And faith has the ability to come, overcome anything that the enemy rises up against us with. That's what the Bible said in Ephesians chapter, what was it, 5 or 6 there when he's talking about, I think it's 5, when he's talking about that whole armor of God is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So when the enemy comes against you with things, if you can keep your faith, it's able to take care of any attack. It's able to take care. You forge ahead in faith. You forge ahead in believing God. You stand ready in the faith that God has given you that he is able to do what he said he's able to do. And you don't back up. You don't give way to the devil. You don't back off. You don't, you don't say, well, you know what? Uh, maybe perhaps, uh, uh, God, 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 I, I missed you there and you didn't speak to me in that and I, I really maybe just got a little bit too gung-ho about it and got too excited and I got too carried away in emotionalism. Oh, no, that's what the devil tries to tell you. Maybe God's not able. Maybe it's not meant for you. When all the while, if you'll stand firm in your faith, God is able to do exactly what he said he was able to do. But you can't keep giving back every gain that you make you can't keep backing off and dwindling down to the person that God dealt with you and helped you to overcome. 
and go back and fall into that same rut and that same routine and that same lifestyle and expect to make any kind of advance. You've got to keep this man. James chapter 1, verses 22 and 23 says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner a man he was. That's what happens to a lot of people. We come, and when we think of that scripture, a lot of times we think of it in, in, in terms of things that are incorrect in our lives that we see in the Word of God, and that certainly is applicable here. But I'd like to flip the coin over and go a little different direction with it, and that is maybe God is showing us in His Word the potentials that we have and what we can become in Him and what is possible and what kind of church he wants us to be, and what kind of revival we can have. We hear it in the Word of God. We come and behold it. We see what God wants us to see, what God wants us to experience, even as it, as it pertains to ourselves. He shows us in the Word of God what he wants us to become, and we leave and we forget what manner of man that God wants us to be. We forget what kind of person that God wants us to become. He shows us what we can be in His Word. He shows us what kind of man that you can be through His Word. What kind of potential that you have. And you forget. You get off the parking lot. You go home. You get busy here and there. And before it's all over with, you let that man go. Praise the Lord. And you say, praise the Lord. Amen. It's very important that we keep that man. And the word keep here actually means to hedge in. It means to build almost like embattlements or hedge in. When you hedge in something, you, you build something to keep it. And that's what we got to do. We got to we got to hedge in this man. I remind you that we too are in a battle. How many knows we're in a battle? And when you're in a battle, you can get caught up in different things. Of course, in this particular battle, I'm sure there was strategy that they had to follow and instruction that they had to follow, and there was orders to be carried out, and that was something that they had to do. Also, you have to take into account a battlefield and all of the things that go into, you know, you go over to Afghanistan, it's not the same as fighting in the jungles of Vietnam. So the war changes the battlefield because the battlefield changes. And so in different areas and different battlefields, there's different things that confront and there's different things that challenge you can't compare the battlefield that we're on right now to the battlefield of 50 years ago. The game has changed some. Amen. I mean, 50 years ago, when, when people wanted to get involved in things, they had to go looking for it. Now things are looking for you. Amen. And they're at your fingertips. And they're available for you to get messed up in and twisted up in and tangled up in I'm just telling you the battlefield is different it's more advanced nowadays the enemy is, is finding ways to try to get people tripped up and earlier than ever before that's right you take children I mean it's already started I read somewhere just the other day where Disney is, is making films that is introducing introducing um, transgender type situations they've already a long time ago started introducing same sex type situations now they're introducing transgender type situations you think this world isn't mixed up I said you think this world isn't messed up I was telling somebody the other day I was at one of our coffee establishments driving through and uh, and anyway uh, I'm driving through and and I'm talking on the phone and uh 
And, and all of a sudden, there's this, uh, this boy, I, I think he was a boy, he come out there, and he's waving his arms out in front of me. He said, there is a cat that's under your truck. I said, oh, really? <laughs> My heart is bleeding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you're a cat lover, that's your business. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and he's, oh, don't move. Don't move the truck. And uh, then there's two other ladies that come out there, and, and you, you can tell they're mortified. I mean, they got this look of anguish on their face. And I'm thinking, man, this, this is crazy. They're saying there's a, there's a cat under your truck. And, and I said, well, you see it, you know? Is it, is it down? No, no. I said, well, it's probably ran out the other side, you know. It's probably on over on, uh, probably long gone from here. It was just a stray cat to begin with. It wasn't anybody's cat. It ran through. And uh, I'm just giving this as an illustration of how, you know, sometimes people's focus can be out of whack. And uh, so uh, they said, don't move. Don't move the car. I said, what do you mean don't move? We've got to drive through. It's going to plumb out, out onto the main road here. We've got everything backed up. I, I, I need to go. I, I, I'm going to, over to the church. We're going, I'm going to have a season of prayer over here. And if, it's a, if there's a cat, they said, I think it's got up in your, in your truck. Uh, you know, up in the frame of the truck. And I said, well, it can go to prayer meetings, what I'm thinking to myself. I said, it, uh, here's what I, I said to them. I said, I don't think so. I don't think it's there. I, I, you know, I was thinking, really, they're crazy. I said, these same people wouldn't think twice about aborting a baby, but they're, they're all excited about this little kitty cat. And I'm not discounting, and I'm not into animal cruelty. I want you to understand all of that. That's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is we can get our values so twisted up. Something's loose in people's minds. Got up here at the church, was unloading my car, looked underneath there, and there was a cat. <laughs> and it was panting, and I said, oh, Lord. And now my heart is bleeding. And I'm thinking, I have messed up. And the guy that was on the phone with me, he said, see there? I heard that gentle rebuke you gave them. There ain't no cat underneath this car. <laughs> Crazy liberals. <laughs> Messed up people, messed up world. I was all the way from where I was, all the way to church. All you out there in Radio Land, I apologize if this gets played on the radio. But anyway, I said, oh, man, it's probably wounded. And so I go get a broom. out of. The, I know Sister Trina had to think I was crazy. Come back through there, had a broom. Uh, get down there. Kitty, kitty. And I didn't even get it hardly under the truck. And it went, whoosh, whoosh, shot out money there. There wasn't a thing wrong with it. It went bounding across, dodging through traffic over here, and climbed that fence right over there on the other side of Texas Boulevard, over in somebody's yard over there. And then I got my manly figure back. Started sweeping the parking lot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> People can get twisted up. Values can get all messed up. And we need to be very careful that we focus on the things that are important. He said, keep this man. That's going to require focus on your part. Amen. It's going to require focus. The change that God has wrought in your life. We're on a battlefield. The battle's changing. We've got to keep our focus on what's important. His excuse was, I was busy here and there. It wasn't that he was slowful or he was lazy or he was a slacker. He said, I just got busy doing other things. But I want to tell you, let's remember, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. And here's what is frightening about this story. He says, the price for losing this man is your life for his life. And your people for his people. First of all, his life for your life. If you don't keep care of this, man, if you don't 
keep this man that God has enabled you to be. It's going to cost you your soul. But rarely does it ever just affect one. But there's influence involved here. And it's going to affect your people. And so true it is with all of us. We think, well, nobody's really cares whether I come or go. Nobody cares whether or not I live for God. Oh, don't fool yourself. And certainly don't let the devil lie to you like that. It does make a difference. You better put a hedge around your prayer life. You better put a hedge around your faithfulness. You better put a hedge around your convictions. You better put a hedge around your worship, your consecration to God. Keep this man. Keep this man from the lust of the flesh. Keep this man from the lust of the eye. Keep this man from the pride of life. That's the three things that the devil is going to come against the church with, according to the Scripture, in the last days. And just about every sin that you can categorize, you could put it in one of those three slots. Amen. You could preach about pride until the cows come home and never run out of material nowadays. We're living in an hour and a time when people are so caught up with themselves. And none of us are inoculated from it. We all have to watch it. That's why we've got to stay prayerful and fasting and consecration and dying out, as Paul said, daily. Keep this man. Keep this man. There's some things you can't keep. can't always keep material things. They wear out. They corrode. They rust. They fall apart. They get old. They quit working. Can't always keep them. No matter how much you paid or how much sacrifices you made to purchase it, if it's an earthly thing, it's it's pretty much going to wear out sometime or some some point. You can buy a nice car. It won't be long until it's going to be old. It's going to have miles on it. And it's going to be in the junkyard if if time goes on. It's going to be parted out. You can't sometimes keep your health. We try our best, try to keep our health and all of that. But you know what? The Bible tells us there is a sickness unto death. At some point, we keep living. We're going to go back to the dust from which we were created. We're going to die. You can't keep, can't keep living forever. It's things you can't keep. You can't always keep these things. You do your best to try to keep some things, but you can't. But there's one thing that you've been given charge to do that you can keep, and that is that you can keep this relationship with God. You can keep your consecration and your commitment to the Lord. You've got to keep this man. There's a lot of things that try to keep us from God. There's a lot of things that try to get between us and our relationship with the Lord. And we've got to do our best to not get tied to those things or be influenced by those things. First John chapter number 5 and verse 21, the Bible said, little children, keep yourself from idols. Now I know that when we think of idolatry, we think of it as something that they only dealt with back then or even maybe third world countries and pagan people deal with today that don't know God in the way we know him. But I'm going to tell you, an idol is anything that exalteth itself above the throne of God in our life. It's anything that we put at a priority above our relationship with God. It's anything, it can be a job, it can be a dollar, it can be, it can be material things, it can be a home, it can be a car, it can be a suit of clothes, it can be anything that exalts itself above God. You gotta, you gotta keep this man. Keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from the wrong influences. Keep yourself pure. Keep yourself in the presence of the Lord. That's our responsibility. Keep this. Put a hedge about yourself. You know, there's certain atmospheres that we get in. We feel so exhilarated. We feel so I don't know, full of faith and high in God. It would be easy for us to 
We make all kinds of, you know, that's usually when that person will say, man, I'm going I'm to start tomorrow. I'm going to start. I'm gonna, it's going to be five, six hours a day of prayer. And it's going to be five, six days a week of fasting. I'm just going to eat one day a week and only one meal on that day, bless God. And uh, make all of these consecrations and commitments to the Lord. What I'm going to do. It's easy to do that when you're in that atmosphere. The Bible talks about Samson. It says that by times, in Judges 13, I believe it is, it says, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move on him at times. And he would feel so strong and so powerful. He could take on a lion. He could whip back thousand Philistines with a jawbone. He could carry the gates of gaze upon his shoulders up a hillside. He could take and light the tails of foxes and tie them together, send them out into the enemy's camp, burn down entire villages. When the Spirit of the Lord was moving on him, he was invincible. But for whatever reason, he couldn't, he couldn't stay there. He couldn't continue in that. He couldn't be consistent in that. It's easy. It's easy when the Spirit of the Lord is moving on you on a Sunday night to feel like, man, I'm, I'm up here. This is me. This is my, this is the kind of man I'm going to be, the kind of woman I'm going to be for God. Make all kind of commitments. But the responsibility is, is Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Are you still keeping that man? Amen. Not just when you're in the presence, not just when you're feeling the fervency of anointing and the power of God, but can you keep this man at other times? Hallelujah. When not, not just when you can shake yourself and get into that presence of God and not just when a, you hear a, something that inspires you or something's preached that pushes you into a place where you feel the anointing and the power of God. The only time you can live for God is in the worship service and the prayer meeting. And on Sunday night, you, you're going to have a hard time of it. That's the only time you can feel to do things for God and to work for God. You're going to have a hard time of it. We've got to be 24-7 for him. We've got to do our best to keep this man. Would you stand with me? Hallelujah.